0: I need a recording on air off air, so I know when to just let Evan say everything stupid.
1: <laughs> That's just when you're on the call yeah i I was waiting
2: for that. You really just put that one up there, Jeff. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. <laughs>
3: Welcome back to the Ruby Freelancer Show. This is episode three, and this week on our panel we have Eric Davis. Hello. Uh, we also have Evan Light.
2: I can't believe we're still here.
3: Uh, I know. Um, and uh, Jeff Schoolcraft. What's up? Yeah, well, typically uh, you most people podfade before episode six or seven. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We, we still have three or four episodes to put together before we're out of the woods, I guess. Um, so is
1: podfade like your iMic you're talking about?
3: Yeah. Yeah, my iMic, my sound card went out, and I had to I had to switch it out. It's a USB, so it's not a big deal.
1: So is there, is there a pod balance and a pod uh, I don't know, pod woofer or something?
3: I don't believe so. Pod fade is the term for you stop podcasting without any warning. Like there are people that say, "Well, I'm not going to make any more episodes," and that I don't think that's pod fading. But yeah, you kind of disappear off the face of the earth. So anyway, um, so this week we were going to talk about um, firing clients. Um, I'm I'm sure I'm sure you've all fired clients before.
2: Yeah. Yep. Jeff doesn't have to admit it. We we know that Jeff has with extreme. (laughs) (laughs) I heard that laugh.
3: (laughs) All right. So um, I, I don't have a real strong experience with this. I mean, I have one client that we kind of mutually parted ways, but I haven't actually told a client I'm sorry, I can't work for you anymore. So um, I'm I'm a little curious as to what circumstances kind of bring this uh, bring this type of thing about.
0: Is it non-payment and lack of respect? Are probably two big ones that jump to mind. Oh right. yeah.
3: So non-payment so, would have to be
2: numero uno.
0: Right. Of course.
3: So um, a non-payment. At what point do you go and tell them that you're not going to work for them anymore? I mean, the first time they miss or if they're late or, I mean, where do you draw that line?
2: I think, I, I'm guessing it everyone, everyone's gonna say what I'm What I'm gonna say now, but the answer is always, it depends. My contract is pretty clear that if they're late on, if they're more than, than um, net 15, then I can terminate the contract. Uh, I've had several clients be a little bit late, but because I either like and or trust the clients enough to know that they'll get it, they'll get it. They just haven't gotten around to it yet. I'm often just okay with it because I have enough in the bank. I'm not worried about getting paid every two weeks. It's just, it's nice for the clients to be consistent. On the other hand, um, I have had clients where they're a month and a half, two months behind, and they're routinely troublemakers in various senses to begin with. And I put it to them straight. You guys don't pay me in the next week. I'm out of here. Right. But I usually tolerate more than's in my contract.
3: <laughs> I appreciate
0: that.
2: Usually, uh, I, I, I I guess I haven't had issues enough issues with the customer where I would attack them with that right away.
0: Let me ask you a question, Evan. So you said so your example six weeks, eight weeks late, and then pay up or I'm done type thing. Now, do you already have have you covered enough of your work with their deposit if you got a deposit with them? But have you covered enough work so that you can write off whatever they're supposed to pay you and not eat in, in those a cases- bunch of work?
2: In those cases where I've gotten where I've let them get that far behind, no, actually I I haven't. But that's where I personally, and and so it's a risk, but it's also uh, it's a decision too because I'm aware of it when they're late, and they get reminders when they're late too. It's just that some people are terrible about their emails, some people are terrible about paying their bills on time. Not that they don't have the money; they're just bad about it. I understand that. That's been me sometimes. Um, So I'm reasonably understanding and flexible about it, but if I have less, if I were to have a client that I have less trust in, because we all have various degrees of trust in, or have had various degrees of trust in all of our clients, I would be less flexible with clients I had less trust
0: with. Um, Because that's that's sort of the situation I'm in now. I've got, uh, oh, I think the client I'm thinking about is, uh, I don't know, they're 90 days late or something like that. (sighs) Wow. Ridiculous, and uh, I mean, I had the lawyers send a pay-up letter, and so am at the point don't have a deposit that will cover that. And they're one of my longest uh, clients, and they've been fairly good with fairly good with paying me in the past. I've had a couple of issues with them, and Eric will tell you that I should have fired them a while ago. But so I'm in that situation now, still. Waiting for the check, if the check's ever gonna hit, but at some point I've gotta decide: if, am I gonna cut my losses and just send them to the FU pay me, uh, but I'm gone video, or just. Well, w-
2: what I've done is I will have a, what some people call a come to Jesus meeting, because I'll, I'll get them on the phone or equivalent, and I'll say, you know, look, guys, you don't pay me, I, I don't
0: work, plain and simple. Yeah, and, and that's. Now, you don't
2: necessarily wanna start with that. I was, so, what I'm getting at is: have you talked to them about it?
0: Yeah, I talked to them a couple of times, and it's not necessarily that... And so this is an interesting place because they don't, they're do not they not expecting a ton of follow-on work from me right now. So this is from, oh, I don't know, at this point, October, November last year was sort of the last engagement that we had, and then I uh, invoiced them maybe for November or October, something like that, and their, their first invoice was due, or their check was due maybe the end of November, something like that. But so there's a lot of stuff that was on hold because... I'm sub to a sub to maybe a, another sub. It's a weird ar- arrangement. They they provide IT support for uh, you don't have to some you type of is. companies. Some they they provide a they provide a bunch of software support for a bunch of companies. But their main product is flash stuff. And so I came in to help them with some rail stuff. They um they had some they were going to do as uh, the whole promise. It's sort of uh, all the signs are there if you look back at it. So. Estimate this stuff.
2: Well, let's back up, especially for the sake of the listeners. All the signs
0: are there.
2: Yeah, what we'll signs? Co- <laughs> I, we'll cover them as I
0: go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll <cover him laughs> show about this one we'll, client. We'll cover them as I go. So, He's got a list. Yeah, yeah <laughs> this,
3: this is going to go from uh, firing a client to how to handle non-payment.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and then sort of, um, I mean, we talked a little bit about it last week. How do you know it's a decent client? And right. sometimes you can't know they can talk a good talk right in the beginning but so these this has happened before but so and I even told them at one point that I was done I was gonna quit and stupid me I let them talk me back into it we had it was uh, the client the sub to a sub thing well we had a a mutual distaste for their client which ultimately my clients and whatever so I let them talk me into helping them out again Uh, they're, they're working on this system, they're trying to productize it, but they're using their other client to pay for some of it. Maybe they'll get some money, let's come up with a scope to to build this thing out. Maybe there can be some profit sharing in this tool, or at least they'll keep coming back to me for implementation and my cost. I heard
2: at two or three different things in that last run on sentence that scare me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm saying we'll cover all the signs eventually. So <laughs> there are more. <laughs> there are more. And so that was. I was like, all right, fine. I know. I get it. You think this guy is a jerk, and maybe some of that was rolling downhill. Whatever. I'll give you another chance. And so back to the original question: When do you fire somebody? I try to give people a chance. Sure. The whole the this, George Bush I, thing.
2: That's what I was getting at. Too. I tried you can to
0: fool me that. once. Um. <laughs> but you can't fool me again <laughs> whatever that quote was that he did botched but i don't um, think any of
2: us are going to get it right because he couldn't do <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um so finally i talked to them and so i use i use uh cashboard for invoicing and so it's because of them this client that i have automatic reminders set up so that and this is annoying as hell but every three days cashboard sends them an email that says your invoices lay it with the pdf with the login to the to the thing and now we're going on 90 days so they've gotten 30 some emails from this you would think they would just get tired and say hey stop sending me damn emails i'll give you whatever payment they need to give me but they haven't so emailed called called my customer called the ceo of my customer's company i am It's like they disappeared. Oh, we're moving offices. We'll get back to it. We have a part time bookkeeper. We'll get to it. And then finally, the sort of the the last straw that should have been like 10 straws past the last straw was well, our client finally approved the invoice. And so we'll pay you. So they were floating me. So instead of sort of, instead of, they were floating
2: you while they were waiting to get paid.
0: Exactly. So instead of assuming the risk of taking on a contractor and having the money to pay the contractor, they were billing everything up front and waiting to get paid before they'd pass the money on, which is a horrible way to run a business. Yep. And... Thankfully, because of them, I pay everybody like within hours of being invoiced. That's my sub. I mean, well, that's know, how
2: like, that, that's how we learn how to do stuff like that, right? When we're treated badly, we learn how we want to be treated. Right. Yeah. I've 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 been in this in a similar situation before. And it's why I try to pay my subs on a timely basis, too, when I do have them. Although that's a whole different topic. I generally don't like having subs anymore. And we could have a whole different discussion about that, but that shouldn't be this talk, uh, this this particular podcast, I think.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, that's always, um, so, red flags. I mean, obviously, (laughs) missing the payments, um, missing payments is huge. Lack of communication on any Mm -hmm. part. When when the other side goes dead, either you updating your client or your client getting back to you, that's normally sign for something's something gone, very irre- irrevocably bad. Yeah, and uh, you're like a step away from terminating and falling out or whatever. Okay, so now I'll make this all about me because it's been about you.
2: <laughs> no, you can, no, no, but seriously, because of lack of, lack of communication, that was a primary reason that I fired a client most recently. Um, this was, oh, I don't know, maybe six months ago, maybe a little bit less. Uh, but I had one client where I was you, you're chronically getting very bad communication. The guy who was paying the bills delegated um, the project manager role essentially to someone two rungs in his tiny hierarchy down from him. And this guy who he delegated the the responsibility to also had no authority. So basically the worst kind of possible decision maker, someone who can't. And um, so I would ask this guy questions, and I would also tell him things that he should pass up the chain of command because this thing will affect schedule. This thing will affect schedule. This thing will affect schedule. This thing is going to, you're increasing the scope. Therefore, this is going to affect schedule and it's going to cost more. I'm telling him all this stuff and I only find out months later, essentially, because the guy at the top is too important slash busy to talk to me. This guy in the top wasn't hearing any of this stuff. So he was inclined to blame me for all of it. And then he realized when I finally got to the point where I said, I can't take it anymore and and fired them, he finally realized that it was this guy in his organization who wasn't passing information to him. But then, of course, um, like in most relationships, not being willing to accept the blame himself, he blamed me for it anyway. Right. (laughs) That's the other fun part, because I think... Maybe it was Eric who said it last time that that working for a client in a way is sort of a courting relationship. So it's like when you when when you're dating if you were single, when you're dating and you break up with someone, usually they're not going to say it was my fault and people who do that usually are ones who have self-esteem problems. People with a healthy self-esteem will occasionally be honest and admit there were issues on both sides. But often people will say, no, it was the other person's fault. And that seems to be the case with contracting.
0: And That's another red flag, not the self-esteem, but... um, Blaming? Not working for, not having your point of contact, the guy that writes the check. Right.
2: Hugely, hugely agree. That is what I learned on that project. Yeah,
3: that that was, uh, I, I ran into that kind of with one of my Uh, clients. And basically the way that it worked was um, they kind of delegated one of their design staff to manage me to help keep up their application and um so he wasn't writing the articles it was kind of a news site um he wasn't writing any of the articles he really wasn't uh putting together any of the main graphics um he was kind of in, in charge of the overall design and uh, initially they had they had somebody in there who had done project management and knew what she was doing and you know was gung-ho about the project and really kind of got um what needed to go on and so uh she could get the stories together. She could uh, clearly articulate what they wanted um, and then get get the stuff done. And she wound up leaving them and, and I wound up getting pass, passed from the like the top boss to the next person down boss to this guy that just he didn't have the experience to manage somebody uh, remotely like the way I was working. And so, um, it, it turned out to be kind of this weird dynamic that we dealt with for a few months. And then finally, um, he decided that he just couldn't manage somebody remotely. And so about that same time I was dealing with, um, you're not willing to pay me my updated rate because I'd raised my rate and they, they really weren't willing to pay me. Um, that, that higher rate, uh, mainly because I was remote. And the other thing was that, uh, just in general, they, they decided that they, he wanted somebody in house so that he could manage it. And so between all of the miscommunication and everything else, um, I was about ready to tell them, you know, you either need to pay up or, um you know, get lost, you know, in a nice way. But that, that was kind of the deal. You know, you're going to pay me my rate or you're going to find someone else. And at the same time they came to me and said, we found a local guy and we, we want a local guy. So it, it was kind of a mutual breakup, I guess.
2: That was my last client. It was very similar that way. Um, But what I think what you're saying abstracts to in my experience with my particular client abstracts to is it comes down to cultural differences yeah. And that um, I was, you know, I'm way out here on the East Coast. These guys are out in San Francisco. And um, their process was, their their development process is less mature than my own. Their Ruby chops and Rails chops weren't as good, so I was trying to learn them up as we went. Um, but whereas, I think I'll, my one of the, the feelings I've had about this particular group, you know, the, the four of us talking, is that we're all very focused on learning. And I like clients who are open to learning and I don't like clients who are not open to learning. Um, and these guys had basically, I guess most people only have so much tolerance for learning. They, like they own, people only have a finite amount of willpower, at least some, some studies have shown. So once you've exercised that amount of willpower, once you've learned everything that you can take in, once your picture is full, essentially, then um, you know, people will shut down. And that's sort of what this client did for me um and I just I didn't want to deal with it anymore and they were frustrated too I think so yeah. similar just it, it was that and also being remote to them was was I think somewhat of an excuse but I think it was more of a cultural fit
3: yeah I can I can see that and it sounds like you were working with the same company or you know you you ran into a lot of the same issues cuz yeah they were they were not as mature with the development in fact they had outsourced the development initially and then um, once Pivotal Labs got done with them, then they got they got it handed off to a guy that was uh, junior to me, and then he couldn't do everything they wanted, so uh, anyway, it got passed off to me, um, and uh, anyway, it was just kind of the way that it was. I mean, I had a way of doing things. I tried to, you know, help them understand, because they were already using Pivotal Tracker and a lot of the other tools that I use, but yeah, they just didn't quite get... Um, the development process behind something like this.
2: So right. So what I what I hear out of this and something I, I've kicked around before is an idea. Maybe we need to, to collaboratively write a contractor patterns book. Although I kind of feel like uh, was it was a Jerry Weinberg. Um, oh yeah, there we go. Um, sorry, I just got my pick for the week right there. Um, but I'll save that one for later. So that book's sort of already been written, but I don't know if it's been written in a, in a more contemporary sense. But because what you're describing because what we're we're both describing is is, is so similar but from different organizations
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah no I was actually going to get back to Eric in the original question because this sort of I get Eric to figure out the stuff I need to implement so I'll let his answer to the original question when you stop well when you fire a client I, I don't know how he'd answer that, but I know he will say that he stops work the minute they're late on a payment. And so I guess my question to that is, how is that structured? How How is that whole bit structured? I guess from deposit up front, how much of that carries or covers some of your work and how how frequently do you bill? How quick are your turnaround terms? And uh, because uh, I mean, it's a great idea. If You pay me or I stop working and I want to limit my risk as much as possible. I don't want to do right. work for free. Right. So I'm it's just about, sort of with the implementation looks like from Eric's side. Or it's about risk else. exposure. And,
2: and as I was saying earlier, it, it, it depends, right? Because if you have a good relationship with a client, if you trust them, then it's the perceived risk is lower. If you don't know them that well, then the risk, the perceived risk is higher. And yes, I know you said Eric, Jeff, Jeez. Yes, Eric needs to talk.
1: Yeah. So I have two stories I'm going to go through real quick. Um, the first I kind of want to point out as just listening to you guys. It really seems like most of the times when you've fired clients, it's been because of I'm going to say a people issue, but that's kind of a vague one. But it's like, either there's a culture misfit or in clear communication or you're delegated way too far down the stack. Um, but it actually comes that that's the source of the problem, but it's actually comes back to when they miss a payment or they're late on a payment is what actually triggers the actual, like, I'm going to let this client go. So I don't know if that you guys notice that as just something I saw as kind of a, an interesting thing in that there's the root of the problem. And then there's the thing that kind of like kicks the problem over and makes it actually make a change.
3: Yeah, in my nah. case, um, they had never actually missed a payment. It was it was literally just friction over a little bit, of, or, or well, over several months that, you know, it was getting to the point where it was just like, look, we need to change something or this isn't going to work. In mine,
2: sometimes in one out of two cases, I guess I've only fired two clients. One of them was spurred partly by payment, but, but lack of payment, but not really. It was mostly uh, communication. The other one was almost purely cultural. They were always on time.
1: So so
3: what are your stories, Eric?
1: Um, okay, so there's two times I fired or let a client go that I can think of. I've done it more than that, but these two, I still draw on what I did. One of them, basically, they paid on time. It was a good kind of financial relationship. Um, the work was interesting. It was fun. It was for, you know, pretty much a brand name type company. Um, problem was is they were really fighting back on contract stuff, which I was fine with, but they were fighting back on things that I couldn't budge on, mostly um, IP stuff because of we're using GPL type code and they wanted it to be not GPL, which you can't do. (laughs) Right. Um, So, I mean, we hammered some of that stuff out and, you know, got like, did a prototype project and then we're doing a second one. And because they wanted to limit their risk, we scoped it. So the contract was only for the prototype. It was we're going to do a second smaller contract once we actually did the actual implementation. Um, The problem that it came down to is when I, when we started negotiation for the implementation, um, one of the guys got really upset and started complaining about, you know, I don't want to sign another contract. We did this first one. We don't need another contract. We can just go on like a good faith type thing, Um, which that's, you know, red flag number one. If the client is not willing to sign a contract, that's, that's kind of a bad thing right there. Oh yeah. And especially considering the company has a lot more money than me and a lot more lawyers than me, it's not something I want to deal with. Um, So that was kind of like, you know, I could kind of work my way through that alone. But the client kind of said some things to me in a way that basically said I wasn't really, he didn't appreciate my work. Yes. Even though like uh, maybe two weeks ago he was saying like how great this is going to be for him and his team. And you know, long story short, basically, I said, look, I mean, I'm sorry it came to this, but I'm not going to work with you anymore. Um, just, I don't think we're, we're good compatibility, you know, match.com rating, whatever you want to call that. <laughs> and it, it, it ended up just by saying that he kind of got really upset and went off the handle at me. And whenever you're in a business relationship and someone goes emotional, you just kind of nod and say, thank you for the feedback and just let it go. Leave. Like, don't Yeah. Don't try to fight back. Right. Um so that was one way I kind of let a client go. I'm happy I did because I saw some of the stuff they started doing afterwards and they kind of went down the wrong path as a business. And so it's fine with me. Um, another client, shoot, I'm trying to think. I worked with him for, I think, two or three years, paid on time. I mean, he actually would pay. It would be like the 20th of, let's say, February. He would pay me for March's work. I haven't even invoiced him and he'd send a payment just approximately how much it would be. Um Great guy, really quick with feedback, everything, you know, kind of ideal client. But due to circumstances in his work, he basically got promoted and lost some people on his team for various reasons and just, you know, a whole bunch of things happened and he actually lost a whole bunch of time for me to work with. So it came down to from what used to be a couple hours a week of, you know, communications really prompt stuff to like, I wasn't hearing from him for three or four weeks at a time and because i wasn't in contact with him my invoices started getting paid later and later and later and it got to a point where every month he was late about 15 days which isn't a big deal but coming from someone who's paying early that's a huge change yeah and so it ended up i ended up working with him saying like you know, hey, I know you don't have much time to kind of help manage or plan this. I did some of it for you. And I kind of put the project on life support so it would at least function. And then when the contract came to be renewed um, in December, we basically both agreed to kind of just let it go for now and come back to it later when he has time.
2: So to go back to the dating metaphor, it's like your girlfriend became someone completely different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, like it'd be like she got a new job and wasn't able to devote time to the relationship. And, and <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there with the courting metaphor.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, that's been, those are the two that come to my mind and it kind of, the lessons I learned kind of from the first one is, I mean, I call it my zero BS policy. Um, I actually don't say BS. I say the actual real word for it, but you know, family podcasts, all that, but it kind of like, if someone's going to insult me personally or, you you know, do things that I personally don't feel comfortable doing. That's something I don't want to deal with. And I try to, you know, try to tell the client and see if they're doing it purposely or if it's an accident. And if it's on purpose, then I try to like get away from them and get out of the project. And the other thing is, you know, like I said, a minute ago is payment. I mean, if people are late on payments, it's, that's a big deal to me. I mean, I... I have enough leads, enough work that I could work with someone who's going to pay me so I don't have to worry about like chasing down payment and then figuring out how I'm going to make the mortgage on my house and all that each month.
2: So I want, I want to go back to Chuck on this for a sec because you, you got me thinking again, which doesn't happen enough, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I just I had to slam that ball before someone else did. <laughs> we, got, we,
3: we got to exercise that mental muscle, huh?
2: Yeah, you guys have to catch these rebounds here. Um, Or you have to slam dunk the rebounds. I really blew that metaphor. Anyway, so... Chuck, when you had that cultural non-fit, one thing that Eric mentioned to me—that that, or mentioned to me—mentioned here that, that that clicked. He said something about essentially being disrespected by the client. Did you feel that too when you with that that client where you said you had the cultural mismatch?
3: Um, I did a little bit from the guy that was managing the project, um, but the other thing was that I mean, I was maintaining this application for basically this entire branch of this uh, of this very very large company and. It was funny to me how I kind of got pushed off as kind of a side interest. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I don't know that it was disrespect so much as they, they really just didn't appreciate what I was putting putting together for them.
2: Well, the reason I ask, because, you know, Eric, again, Eric said this, that I think to some degree as freelancers, whether we want to admit it or not, we, we all suffer a little bit from the prima donna syndrome, just a little, that we want, we want people to pay attention to us. But I think in, in mostly a healthy way, though, that we want we want them to acknowledge the business value that we're giving them. Um, in my particular case, my ideal client is someone, and I think this is probably true for you guys, um, maybe not Jeff with some of the things I heard him say, but we'll see, that um, we want our clients to be more like partners to us rather than, and not in the dating sense, but we want them to be more like business partners rather than, clients retaining us and we're just servants I've I've worked for clients where I've operated in a servant like um, role where it's here's stuff that's broken can you go fix it and I'll do that occasionally uh, but it's not my it's not what I prefer I don't enjoy it nearly as much and I don't give the client as much value because they don't they don't give me the opportunity And I'll try to give them more value occasionally and find they're usually not interested. Um, The clients who involve me more are the ones that I like working with more. This... Client I mentioned where I was delegated two rungs down the hierarchy, they very much treated me as a servant It was here, we're we're paying you a lot of money to not have to worry about these problems, just magically make them go away. We don't want to know anything about it. And as we all know, you can't have a project like that because without that communication, you don't really know what problems it is they want you to
1: solve, so you solve the wrong ones. Right. Or you solve them the way that's not going to work, like, you know, using technology to solve a cultural issue
3: right oh, yeah yeah one other thing that I want to point out is that this this particular client that I had issues with um, they they did hire a local guy and I think they were paying him quite a bit less than they were paying me and I, I think that kind of uh, I, I think that hurt me a little bit as far as being able to maintain the the relationship because I think I think the guy that I was working with he didn't quite understand why they were paying me so much um, the other issue um, that I ran into was basically um, oh man. I hate that. My mind just went blank.
1: Well, here, Chuck, the thing you talked about, about, you know, don't know why someone's paying someone that much. I don't know where I heard it, but that's called the shrink principle or something like that. It's where someone will pay a consultant as much money as they need unless it costs less to pay a shrink to help them deal with the stress of having that problem.
2: (laughs) So if the shrink
1: is $200 an hour, they can just deal with the stress of having that problem for the rest of their life for $200. Or if the consultant's $150 to fix the problem, they'll pay the consultant. So I don't remember where, I have some management book, but I keep thinking, referring back to that whenever people talk about rates and, you know, oh, I, we could pay or just deal with this us using something else.
3: Yeah, yeah, that that's definitely interesting, though I have found that uh, if somebody goes out and say they hire somebody at half my rate, they're probably going to pay about one and a half times to get the, the same amount of work done. And it's just well, because it takes that person, you know, two to mm-hmm. three times as long as it takes me. It's not just the time from... Uh, start to feature release but it's the it's also the time that you spend maintaining it afterward so yes so so you're sacrificing both the quality and the your time to market by hiring somebody at a lower rate usually the
2: way it works in the market is you get what you pay for if you if you offer thirty dollars an hour for an iphone developer Um where have you heard that lately. But if you offer thirty dollars an hour for an (laughs) iPhone developer, then you're gonna get, you know, probably really shitty code that might or might not work, that might crash routinely, might be held to maintain. If you pay them the typical market rate supposedly somewhere around 150 an hour, you probably get something that works pretty well and is reasonably maintainable and extensible. Um that, you know, give or give or take some variance, you do get what you pay for.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one the one other thing that I was going to point out was that in a lot of cases, um, this client didn't understand the development process much because, I mean, the guy was a, a graphic artist that was managing me. And so uh, some of the things that were bothering them were relatively easy to fix. And so I just go in and fix them. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd crank out like three or four stories in a couple of hours because they were so simple. But then then they'd, uh, they'd come back with something that was a little bit more involved that tied into a, a bunch of other areas of code and so I'd have to go in and you know run the tests and make sure that everything was was buttoned up nicely so that it worked the way they wanted to and uh, I found that they'd get frustrated then because I wasn't cranking out this one feature in you know half a day it was taking me two days and I was only working for them two days a week so um, you know I'd crank it out in in a couple of weeks is really what it felt like to them and uh, you know it, it it's really hard to educate a client that you know doesn't really want to hear your quote-unquote Excuses, they you know they just want to see you crank code out as fast as humanly possible. So and that's someone
2: you fire right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean one thing that I was going to mention in a pick, um, but it, it's a really weak thing, is that um, you know have a website. And that's kind of a no-brainer. Have, have a website. Just have fairly simple content that doesn't that's not going to change very often. And in my case on my site, I very clearly state these are the principles of, of how I work. And, and I really do stick closely to them and I really do mean them. And some of it has stipulations about how I expect my clients to behave as well. It, it's a little more indirect that way, but that I mention partnership. I mention win-win. And to some degree, the things that I say obligate my clients. Mm-hmm. And and if they don't behave that way, then yeah, that's the what you describe as the kind of person I would totally can. Yep, absolutely.
3: So one thing that I want to jump in on um, is how do you fire them? I mean, how how many warnings do you give them? Um, Do you kind of back things off slowly? Or, you know, they miss a payment, you come up and you say, if you do this again, you're gone, you know, or and and how delicately do you do you express that?
0: I'm uh, I'm actually not the right person to ask. I mean, uh, having waited waited 90 days for this uh, client to to send me payment. I mean, uh, I don't know. I think the the three day reminder or automatic reminder from the billing system, maybe once. Uh, Might be a decent idea, but I mean, you said in the beginning, you understand that uh, people make mistakes or whatever. It's hard to, um, you forget to pay a bill or whatever. And uh, it's easier for me to run somebody else's life than my own life. But I mean, I think those excuses are sort of BS. And so hopefully I can... I can turn this around and use it myself, but if if you're important enough for somebody to hire to do some job to help their business make money, you should be fairly important to get paid. So uh, I'll forgive sort of a one, a mispayment, something happened, lost the mail, whatever. I mean, I've had, I've heard a ton of excuses from this one client that I'm gonna fire. Still, still don't know how long I'm gonna wait for them to, at this point, I don't know how long I'm gonna wait for them to send me a check or give them the finger. But I mean, uh, we have, a a part-time accountant and the the president went away so we can't deal with your check well there's got to be some back of my place you can't tell me that for two weeks while the president of the company is on vacation that you can't pay anybody so i I, I don't know i try to give people i try to give people a break i mean you forgive them once and if if they make every amend i mean there's some clients i've had that will pay me in hours they Wire me the money, they'll PayPal me the money. They said, How do you want to get paid? and I'll tell them and they'll do it. Jeff,
2: let me interrupt you and
0: ask ask you a question though. But then, Um, interrupt me in a second. But then you have the customer that's, Oh, well, we're 30 days late. I'll send you another check in the mail. F you, buddy, wire me some money and don't, or drive down from New York and (laughs) bring me the money. I mean,
2: okay, so the reason I wanted to interrupt is I'm trying to rectify. The f you pay me that that you're saying right now essentially, with the I'm putting up with the client taking this long to pay me. How
0: are you? Well, see, this is the thing.
2: The 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 real question is, how are you justifying this to yourself? Waiting this long. uh, Well, the
0: justification is I'm not. uh, The justification is I'm not doing any any work, so I'm waiting. So for me, I'm just waiting for this last check to come in before I shut them off. Okay. That's my justification, and at some point, I've got to ask myself: Do I want to keep waiting for the check, uh, which is not an insignificant amount of money, but it's money that I'm going to lose? But so, how long do I want to wait before I just forget? It? I don't even want to deal with you people at some kind of termination. But hopefully, have you considered we're sending a collection agency
2: after them? or have you already
0: tried? I them? haven't. I haven't sent a collection agency after them. I did get uh, lawyers to write an F. Yeah. You pay me letter. And so that should have been received. Well, I got my copy of it, I don't know, 10 days ago, something like that, and still no word um, from them. So at some point, I mean, I, I get voicemail. I try to leave voicemail. The inbox is full. <laughs> emails don't get responded to. And the automatic emails don't get responded to. And the Messenger is not responded to. So, I mean, they've basically gone dark for whatever reason. Right. But But no, back to the original question. I mean, I try to forgive once. Especially if they're really good about making it up to you, if, if they genuinely feel mortified that they missed a payment to you and do everything in their power to make it up to you, then that's probably an awesome client to have around as long as they don't. Yeah mess up again but the flip side of that is if they miss it and it's no big deal we'll pay you when we get to you we'll pay you when our client pays us we'll we'll send you a check and you'll get it when we feel like it then f you you pay me right
2: <laughs> <laughs> that will be linked to the show notes for sure
3: <laughs> i think i'm gonna go register the domain f you pay me <laughs>
2: maybe you should
3: all right. So, uh, Eric, it seems like you've, you've got some experience uh, kindly cutting people off and saying bye-bye. Um, what what do you do, typically?
1: Um, let's see. Trying to think back. So, the the really bad one that I let go a while back, blown off the prototype and then didn't do the contract for the second one. That one, due to the time it took for contract negotiations, I was actually... I actually was got all the payment from them and so it ended up like you know contract negotiations we're doing over email it's back and forth and it's you, you kind of feel when an email is kind of getting like okay this is really unproductive people are like talking past each other and so I just picked up the phone to talk to him. And, you know, it was, that was the moment of like, oh, I really shouldn't be working with this guy. He's going off now. But I just kind of told him, like, I'm not going to be doing any more business with you, you know, best wishes, all that, and let him go. And because the previous contract was done and I had on my payment, it was kind of a, a quick band-aid, like, you know, just tell him I'm not, you know, working on the and moving on. Um, kind of my longer term client that, Um, Got really really busy during the time. Like I said, he had he was paying like before the I even invoiced a couple months. But then a few months, like actually his accounting department lost the invoice. I think once or twice. And I would say, hey, you're you're late on a payment. What's what's going on? And he would. I mean, this is all through email too. He would basically say, oh, let me check with accounting. And then like five minutes later, he's like, yeah, accounting doesn't have it. Can you resend it? I'll I'll take it down to their office and deliver it to him directly. And then two days later, I have the wire coming through to my bank account. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he was really good about that. Um, And with him, it just kind of came like, kind of like what Jeff was saying. He just started going dark for longer and longer. And I think it ended up like, I think I talked to him like twice in a month by the time we kind of decided like, let's just part ways. And it was very, you know, very nice. It's like, you know, if he comes back to me and says, Hey, I have more time, you know, I want to work with you you know, I I have a lot of the respect for him. So I'll pretty much sign him again with probably, you know, a bit larger deposit just in case he goes dark again. Um, Let's see. Other clients, I've told some an email just, hey, the project's done. Um, you know, I'm I'm not going to be working with you, or you know, they'll get back to me and say, hey, we want you to do more work, and like I'm sorry, I'm I, I'm I'm busy, or I'm just not able to to take your your project at this time, and kind of kind of try to be nice about it, and kind of point them to other developers or refer them to other places they might be able to get the work done, and you know, try to try to be the good guy. Um, you know, in the back of my mind, I know, like, I'm not working with these people anymore because they ticked off these three boxes on my do not do list. But, you know, it's pretty much being, try to be as nice as possible. Right. The other version of that is,
0: when I mean, you, you want to be helpful. I- you want to be professional. Don't burn bridges. All that nonsense. Nonsense. <laughs> but So I mean, so I would send. I've done it the first time. I tried to fire this client, and then stupidly took them back. I mean, it was an email. I I told them uh, I thought we were going in different directions. I wanted to to do other things. I I said uh, it wouldn't be for four to six weeks, I'll finish up whatever I'm working on. I'll help transition you to another developer. I could even help you find another developer. I referenced it in my contract, said here's where uh, we can terminate the relationship, sort of no harm, no foul. And it didn't go into a bunch of the why I wanted to fire them. Right. And then got on the phone with him talked them about it and so articulated sort of my my issues and one thing that hadn't hasn't come up yet but I've complained about it on Twitter the one thing uh one thing that annoys me more than anything is a uh, uh, lack of punctuality so if you if you're my client and you schedule a meeting for twelve thirty, and it's twelve thirty-one, and you're not calling me, I'm pissed. At twelve thirty-five, I'm really un- not liking you, and by twelve forty-five, I'm done with you. I mean at that. At that I, point, you fired
2: them, or
0: no? I mean, at that point, this is sort of a habitual again with a client that hasn't paid me, a habitual thing. But mm. punctuality is another thing. Respect my sure. time,
2: right? I, I have a. My tact, that and by the way, I feel very much the same way about punctuality. I've had a lot of clients where they schedule meetings and they're late for their own meetings. And um, I probably should be very upfront with my clients about this, but when they're late for their own meetings, I'm billing them for that time because they asked me to be available and I'm available and I'm waiting for them. Mm-hmm. So that that's time where they they asked me to obligate to them and I did. <laughs> so either way, it's their time.
0: No, and oh. I was pissed. I, I, I know I'm cutting you off, but you've done it enough, so I don't feel I'm that not, bad. I'm not, I, I, <laughs> Jeff, it's okay. I, I, the uh, So the thing it. that has always pissed me off was the dentist or doctor's policy that if that there's some fee for a missed appointment, like $45, that had always chafed me. And more because... When you get into the dentist, and that dentist not so much, but when you go to the doctor and you have an appointment, especially pediatricians, you're waiting forever. I mean, I have a 9 o'clock appointment, I get seen by the nurse at 9, and then I'm in the back room waiting for the doctor to come in and look at my daughter, and it takes 35, 40 minutes, but there's a sign on the door that says uh, if you're late for an appointment or you miss an appointment, don't give us 24 hours notice, we're going to charge you 50 bucks or whatever it is. Right. And I've always gone back to them and said, alright, so if you're late coming back to see me are you going to credit me 50 bucks for this (laughs) (laughs) and of course they won't and they wanted me to sign some not me but they had this whole new policy where you had to patients had to sign if you're late or miss you have to pay this thing and so that had always pissed me off but i mean it makes sense to what you're saying if if you want a meeting with me and it's going to be 30 minutes or an hour then uh, I'll just enter in my time system. And whether you show up or not, that hour is gone and you're paying for it. I mean, yeah, so it behooves you to be there. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, so I, when I have fired clients, I also try to be nice about it, try not to burn bridges. As a general rule, I don't go into why I'm breaking up with them as such. However, also I, my experience has been that they almost always want to know Come sometime later and, and they ask. And when they do, I tell it to them plainly and I don't really sugarcoat very much. It's not to say that I'm in their, in their face and saying I hate working with them. My feelings only enter into it in so much as my feelings are the result uh, or my feelings are the, are the cause of letting go of them. So when I had the client who essentially disrespected me by not making any time to talk to me and I wasn't, build, and I wasn't sure I was building the right product for them and was very uncomfortable the whole time because of it, I told it to him pretty much like that. Um, and that, you know, he gave me someone who didn't have any authority to make decisions or whatnot. Um, when, pe- when clients have been late making payments, I'll get them on the phone and or I'll usually start with an email, but I'll get them on the phone and say, hey, you uh, payments late, what's going on? And after that happens a couple times with it's only, it's only been with one client where it's been like a month and a half. And with them, I said one week and uh, and I'm gone. You have to get it to me one way or the other. Um, and in their case, they actually wired it to me and the relationship wasn't nearly as good after that. And I knew that was going to be the case, but you know, I didn't know else how else to deal with it because they wanted me to keep working with them, and well, if you pay me, so uh, I guess I'll, I'll echo a lot of the other sentiments. It's, it's shouldn't be personal when you when you you give them that notice. I usually start by doing it in writing first to make it less personal. Um, so it if again the relationship metaphor, it's a little bit like a dear John letter. Um, how it how it often starts off, but again, not not the sappy kind. And um, and then it usually progresses from there, where if they want more information, fine. If they don't, then we just close up shop. And it's kind of been, I guess, 60-40, as in, you know, who wants talk back and
0: who doesn't. Yeah. I think, I, to wrap this all up, I think the sooner you can deal with it the better i mean if if you can avoid firing a client fine if you can't do it as soon as you can because it's just gonna fester and somebody's gonna be more miserable at the end because you didn't take care of it ahead of time i mean this whole thing evan and i hate people being late to a meeting and uh, i don't think i've ever articulated uh, to a client that look schedule a meeting i expect you to be there when you say it mostly because i expect people to understand that you're asking me to be there you should have the common courtesy to be there but so i mean. Maybe that's on me that I'm not articulating that point. But if I get that out of the way soon enough, then we can either work around it or we can't. But the sooner that gets done, it's not going to be three weeks or six weeks or six months of rage because they haven't showed up to meeting or whatever the problem is and finally you hit your breaking point and then go off on them well it's, it's a
2: mindfulness thing right you have to identify that this is something that's really pissing me off and if, if it's if it's really bothering me or you as it were that much then I need to take some kind of action on it right away. And and if you don't take action on it right away, then it's on you for not taking action on it because they, they can't reach your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and same for me too, um, which is why when when I have an issue with a client, I try to raise it as soon as I possibly can. Uh, I try to do it more subtly at first and then progressively more actively as time goes on because I don't want to make waves. But um, yeah, okay, I think I'm done there. <laughs>
3: Well yeah, and, and and overall I think that makes sense, you know. If if you can save the relationship and make it work right. for both of you, then you do it. And if you can't, then you want to do it as kindly and professionally as you can
2: and quickly as yes. possible. I think Jeff, you really nailed that one right there. This was I'm going I'm going to totally credit Eric with this one. The first time I fired a client, it was because Eric got me to read book yourself solid and there's that velvet rope policy that came up I think in the last session, and that velvet rope policy was really what really what had me fire the client. So, if you all, anyone listening to this? If you if you feel like firing a client, pick you pick yourself up the book yourself solid book, and maybe next thing you know, you'll be firing a client.
3: All right, and with that, we'll get into the picks. <laughs> um, so let's go ahead. Let's start with Evan. Oh man, I thought we were doing this in alphabetical order. Uh,
2: We can. No, okay, fine. I'll go first this time. So um, going into the show, I didn't really have any picks, but then I realized, uh, and Chuck wanted me to mention some inane stuff I do in my spare time. I can talk about that some other time. Instead, I briefly alluded to a book by Gerald Weinberg. Uh, It's called "Secrets: The Secrets of Consulting, A Guide to Giving and Getting Advice Successfully. And um, this was the book that sort of had me change, or sort of, I wouldn't say sort of, had me change how I do my business instead of really just acting as a contractor it, it got me to give more advice to clients whether good or bad perhaps although I, I tried anyway I'm not going to caveat that further um, so get the book it's a great oh right look something Eric said earlier usually why do people hire contractors usually it's this this book has the answer for it usually it's because it's a people problem in one form or another they don't need they don't need a contractor if everything is going well for them So I think it also behooves us as contractors to remember we're usually getting hired to solve some kind of crisis. That's a little bit of an aside, but that's it for me.
0: I'll argue argue semantics with that just because (laughs) contractor, and this sort of goes back to the very beginning when we were talking about respecting you for your talents and not just you're some code monkey they can plug into their problem. Right, Contract, sort of contractor and maybe even freelancer to a point denotes sort of code monkey commodity piece, and I don't know if I 100% agree with that. But con- con- contrast that with consultant, where that label you're expecting to pay a little more, but you're there. Consultant sounds more advice giving and implementing good solutions than contractor just. It sounds like a guy or slaps a, wheel, a whatever. Yeah, exactly, a
2: guy who slaps a drywall.
0: Yep. I've thought about becoming a guy that slaps out drywall sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff, what are your picks? Uh, I, don't, I don't have good ones. I spent, I spent a bunch of time in iOS pushing out an app, so I don't have a ton of stuff. The, the one thing that came across my desk today was, um, who's doing it? Stanford? Uh, who the hell is doing this? Oh, it's either yeah. Stanford or somebody else. They're putting out like a ton. There's like a human learning class and a game theory class and a SAS class and a couple other classes. And they're all getting ready to start around this time frame, like mid to late February, early March or something. And so the SAS people just came out with their book. It's a $10 Kindle book. I don't know anything about it other than it exists. <laughs> but I'm curious. It's either, st- oh, it's Berkeley. So it's Berkeley, not Stanford, but the Stanford stuff is great on iTunes U for iOS stuff, but I'm into the Berkeley, so that'll be my second pick, Stanford for iOS. But the Berkeley book, it looks 10 bucks. It looks interesting. Uh, I'm curious to see how SAS is going to be taught in an academic sense. And sort of Stanford, I guess you expect SAS to be, I don't know, they they sort of seem to have all these startup incubator type programs Stanford does. I'm not sure that Berkeley has that same reputation or I'm just not aware of it. So I'm curious how that book is going to fit into an academic sense. And then the iTunes U, I'll give you a link. But Paul Haggerty, or I think that's his name does the CS193P iOS stuff. They just published the most recent semester, so last semester's updated for iOS 5. I mean, awesome. Free, totally free, but awesome stuff.
3: Yeah, that that's all cool. I actually got the same email about the SAS book because I signed up for the class too, so should be interesting.
1: Eric, what are your picks? So I have two picks set up today. Um, they're kind of around a theme of like perspective, uh, recently I've been kind of, you know, looking back at like what I'm doing and trying to f- take a bigger picture of things. Um, the first one is a presentation. It was done at Future Ruby in like 2009 by Dr. Nick. Um, basically, he talks about how to live with managing a thousand open source projects. It's it's a really funny presentation, um, but some kind of there's some good stuff in there, and it really talks about like scale. Um, if any of you have ever looked at my GitHub page, you might notice I have over 211 public repos right now. Probably 80 to 90 of those are like actually open source plugins or projects I've started on my own. So that whole presentation is really interesting to me, just because I'm kind of drowning and trying to support everything. Um, I guess if you don't want to watch it, it's like a I don't know, 10 or a 26 minute presentation. The summary for it is like dump stuff that doesn't work or you don't care about anymore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just because you wrote some piece of code doesn't mean you have to maintain it for the next 50 years. Um, But watch the presentations. There's pictures of puppies and a whole bunch of other fun stuff in it. Um, The second pick is a book I read called F It. Um, It's I think it's from the UK, but it's kind of an interesting book. It talks about like really looking at your life and just saying effort to a bunch of things that don't matter. Um, It's spiritual in that it kind of bashes on a lot of spiritual stuff and it has a good amount of humor in it. It's pretty short. I think I read it in like about a day, but if you kind of have that problem of like feeling, I don't know what I'm doing or I don't know where I'm going in my life, or I want to, you know, try to shift and, you know, work on bigger problems. Like I found this to actually kind of help me kind of get unstuck from some of that stuff and kind of, ignore the stuff that doesn't really matter anymore. So um, once again, it's called F it. Um, You're probably going to need a link for it because you can't search for it really easily because it's actually like the asterisk for it.
3: (laughs) Okay. All right. Is that it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's it this time.
3: All right. Sounds good. So uh, I have two picks. Both of them are related to marketing. Um, The first one is I am on the HubSpot mailing list. And so every so often they put out a short ebook on stuff. Um, And it's just, I mean, it ranges from SEO to managing your mailing list to, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I haven't read all of the uh, ebooks that I've Gotten from them, but there's a lot of terrific content on there that really, uh, really just helps you figure out. Um, what to do and gives you some ideas on how you can market your business better um, the other one that I want to pick is the third tribe and this is something that's put together by the folks over copy blogger and Darren Rouse and Chris Brogan and uh, basically they have like two calls a month where they answer people's questions about how to do marketing and um, they also have like other workshops so I called into a workshop on on um, headlines so Basically, how to uh, write a good headline for your blog or your podcast or whatever. And so, uh, I, I listened to that. I'm going to be reading through the ebook that's related to that, and uh, just just terrific stuff. So, uh, if you're looking at marketing, um, those are two good resources: HubSpot. A lot of the stuff is free. They do have paid services that help you manage your marketing, and the Third Tribe is like ninety bucks a month or something, but
0: uh, well worth it in my opinion. So,
3: with that, we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Um, I want
0: to thank our panelists for coming. Uh, they let me before you end, let me ask two questions. Uh huh. So the first one is, did Third Tribe ramp up? Because uh, I was uh, I was in Third Tribe for about a year and left a couple months ago. I was trying to. Get rid of stuff that wasn't very useful anymore. And it just felt like everything had died off about the time I had left Third Tribe. Nobody was posting on the forums. Uh, who? Chris Brogan, was he the guy that started? He had just disappeared, basically. There was all, all this stuff coming out with premise. And I don't know, it felt like there were other... They were distracted and doing other things, but has that picked back up?
3: Um, yeah, from what I understand, um, I've been a member for, uh, I don't know, like four or five months. And um, I, I rarely, if ever, go onto the forums. Um, if I have a question, I can usually search it and find something relevant to it. But uh, I really like the the calls is really what kind of gets me. So um, I've gotten quite a bit of uh, good Uh, several good ideas out of that. And the nice thing is, is that I can kind of, uh, write them down and then I can tell my VA to go figure out how to do them. (laughs) Right. And, uh, so it, it is pretty nice and, and they've really got some good, uh, content there. Um, but yeah, as far as the forums go, I don't know, and I haven't heard Chris on a call for a few months, so yeah, well, he's
0: busy writing another book. But so, and the last question, Eric never answered it in the first time, and the first time around, I don't know if he can do it in two minutes or not. But so, the mechanics of actually stopping work if someone doesn't pay by such and such a time. So, I mean, how 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 does the mechanics of that work? Do you cover everything with the deposit? Are your billing cycles short enough that you only do? Uh, so much work or is that an easy way to answer that in two minutes Eric uh
1: yeah I can try so I bill the first of every month or you know the closest to the first if it's a weekend um net 30 so basically by the time I invoice I know who's late um with the invoice I'll send a nag email if people haven't paid and I'll say I'm stopping work as of today um If they haven't paid and the project's still running, um, I have heavy email filters and I basically just ignore all of the emails from their system. So, I mean, it gets to the point, like, if they have a massive bug, it's like, sorry, I'm not paid. I'm not working for you right now. You're going to have to deal with it. Um, I watch for, like, normal emails from them. So, they say, like, hey, we have a check cut. Can you work on this? I'll catch it and I'll... You know, depending on how the level of trust, I'll, I'll make a decision. But I'm pretty tough on it. Um, haven't had to deal with it that much because just the way I structure my development, a lot of the times, most of the bugs or all the bugs we're going to run into are known or are kind of exposed before we get to the, the late payment stage, which I can probably talk about in another podcast when we get to actually scheduling work or something.
0: Yeah. But you're okay. Last. Follow up. but So you're actually taking a month's worth of risk is what you're saying. So right. So after they pay, if they don't pay for a month, you've already done that work and then you're going to invoice for the for that work. If they haven't paid you from 60 days ago work, then you stop. Yeah. Okay. Just curious.
3: All right. Cool. Well, thanks again, guys. Uh, We are in iTunes now. So uh, you can go into iTunes and do a search for Ruby Freelancers, and you'll find it uh, there. And um, you can also subscribe on the blog. So, um, yeah, if you have any any other suggestions for us, feel free to leave a comment on the blog. That's at rubyfreelancers.com, and uh, we'll catch you next week.